Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heartfelt and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I have brought back a previous guest, Zoe Henderson, one of the most downloaded guests we had here on the podcast over time. And since I made the first recording with, with Zoe, we have also become very good friends, but also we are working on a number of projects together, which is a joy. And you can probably remember she's a force of nature, which has been busy during lockdown, developing and launching an alcohol-free beer called Function, with not just as low in alcohol, but also good for you due to his brood of mushroom. It's very fascinating. Zoe also tells us about she right now getting ready to brew in the UK and Scandinavia. And she also gives us an overview on the no to low alcohol market and the trends that is driving this market forward fast. We also have an in-depth conversation about what you can do as an operator to boost your drink sales with a no to low drinks menu and how you can make this work with your vitamin menu and much, much more. The intro let me feel very excited and full of hope and energetic afterwards. As mentioned, Zoe is a force of nature. You are in for an incredible conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. And in uh, this episode, we're going to have a different conversation because we've been talking a lot about the industry and the pandemic we're in. And of course, we will touch on the pandemic. We can't not touch on the pandemic. But I actually invited a guest that was on the podcast, I think it was no more than three, three four months ago, uh, where we talked about systemic change. And it's been one of your favorites. It's uh, the most downloaded for a very long period. Uh, so it's Zoe Henderson that is back talking about the NOLO industry and talking about a business she, she was brewing on before the pandemic, but actually she launched during the pandemic. And uh, welcome again to the podcast, Zoe. And I, I will leave you saying the business name, but I think it's Function, isn't it? <laughs> the new business you're launching. Hi, Michael. Yeah, it's great to be back with you. The, the business is called Function. Um, I think it's going to be a, an interesting talking point for people. Um, but that's a great thing with a brand when you can own your word. So I made it up. So function, think functional drinks and it's function. I think we touched on it last time as well. We talked about, you know, the, the change in consumer behaviors. And we talked about, you know, the vegan trend, the plant-based trend. And then, you know, we've been lucky and working together on other stuff like uh, the bare kitchens together. And uh, so we just gone deeper into it. And then suddenly you tell tell me that, yeah, now now I'm launching a beer in the middle of it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um it's an idea that I've been I've been brewing. I like that little pun there for a while. Um, obviously working within the no and low sector, reducing my alcohol consumption myself. Um, and being you know quite into health and wellness and and looking at how plants and different things that we have in nature can can help support our on natural well being. And lockdown and the kind of ceasing of of any other um, industries that I was working in really gave me that space and that time to to work on this idea so um it, it was a tiny positive in this sea of negatives that we're having and the interesting thing about your beer is not just a, a low alcohol beer it's also there's some medicinal stuff in there and i was reading on the website it sounds like almost it can become healthy to drink a beer. <laughs> almost well you have to be careful what you say these days but um certainly healthier than drinking a pint of, of full strength alcohol, certainly. So for me, it was, I think we're seeing a really interesting um, development within the, the no and low category. And I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss this at length later, but um, people are now going beyond wanting just to remove alcohol from their drink. So it's no longer about the haves and have nots of, of ABV. It's about the taste of the liquid. It's about how it makes you feel, how it fits into your social occasion, and also what additional functional benefits it can be doing to your health. I think the type of consumer that wants to stop drinking alcohol is probably open to other things, supplements um, and other things that they can integrate into their daily diets that's going to help boost their their immune system, their bodies, their general well-being. 
So I wanted to create a beer, namely a beer because I became a non-alcoholic beer drinker when I reduced my alcohol consumption because it seemed to be the easiest um, non-alcoholic product to kind of fit into all occasions. So at at the time, it was one of the the first products that was really matching in terms of flavor profile, its alcoholic counterparts. There's less questioning, you know, you're standing in a, a pub with a pint of something or you're standing at a barbecue with a bottle in your hand. There's less questioning about, oh, you're not drinking, what's that? That doesn't look like what everyone else is drinking. So beer just seemed a really seamless integration into lots of different social occasions where you wanted to be there, but you didn't want to drink alcohol. Um, But again, I saw this market for people wanting to have a little bit more out of the products they were consuming. And that brought me into the world of functional drinks, which I think we're going to see as a really exciting future trend within within the whole beverage category, but within the non-alcoholic category, especially where people are removing a substance that has a lot of negative benefits but as many people will contest it also has a lot of positive benefits it can relax you it can help you kind of get off to sleep at night it can make you feel a bit more socially engaged um we all know that that's inside our bodies anyway we just need certain things to help relax us and bring it bring that out and i think we now know that alcohol is not necessarily the best way to do that so people are looking to different plants and herbs to put into drinks and products that can can give these benefits without all the, the, of course, negative benefits that alcohol comes along with. I know from my own experience, uh, being in a high pressure job and uh, suddenly you, you you reflect on yourself and this is years ago. And I think it really came to me when I became a, a dad as well, because the energy levels you need is insane. And I was, you know, trying different at that point. I mean, now talking seven years, seven, eight years ago trying different no and low products and all of them, the most commercial beer drinks. And actually, first of all, they didn't taste very nice at that point. Also, you actually, they, I don't know what they put in them, but it definitely broke me down. There was something that was almost worse than uh, normal alcohol in these, some kind of substitute to create this beer taste. And I think it's developed a lot since. And, and uh, I, I drink a bit of alcohol once in a while, but again, it's a treat. It's not... Uh, it, it's never any more like oh I, I can't look I, I can only look forward to get uh, alcoholic beer and I, I must say that when you go to the pops and, and want to have a, a drink out out in the, in life or go to a supermarket I was camping recently I was looking for a low alcohol beer because I was out with my son and I didn't want to drink a beer I just wanted the taste of this on a hot summer day I couldn't find it in a local supermarket I know it's with countryside but still the lower no alcohol scene is still a way to go, but there is some great products out there. So yeah, so it's very interesting to see what's going on. So yeah, I I definitely can connect with what you're saying there, and uh, you know, not putting things into your body that actually to punish you. In a way. <laughs> it's still in its infancy, as you were saying. Seven years ago, the, the marketplace was dire. It very much kind of had a little bit like the plant based food market. You know, you'd have a few very bland, sad-looking veggie burgers and a bit of under-seasoned quinoa. And you thought, God, is this the future? No thanks. And it was the same with non-alcoholic products. You know, the beers used a lot of artificial flavors. They use a lot of fillers to create body and mouthfeel, which we can talk about later. Um, When you remove the alcohol from a product, you tend to kind of lose the body and you end up with a bit of a watery liquid. And so a a lot of the early beers added maltodextrin and other more artificial additives to their beers and sugars to kind of try and give it that body and make you feel like you're having a beer and it did put a lot of people off um and even though the market is come on leaps and bounds i mean it's the the range of products now is there you know it's still obviously a tiny category but the range is amazing what we need to do now next is that needs to transfer down into retail and to the off trade um obviously now it's a super sensitive time, but you know, once we kind of get back to some kind of normality, restaurants, venues, and retail really need to start to up their game and get in step with consumer demand and get in step with where the brands are with some really amazing best-in-class products in in the non-alcoholic sector. And as you say, there's a there's a there's a growing market uh, right now, and uh, where where do you see the market is like in eighteen months' time? Because I guess again, this is a you know. If if you're thinking about it very, as a marketeer, I think you probably launched at a very strategic, smart time where a lot of people 
potentially have been drinking a bit too much as well during lockdown. I found out this is not going to help me solve this massive challenge that's ahead of me. If you're a business owner or you, whatever you do, just being good at your job, it, it's not good to have uh, days where I feel lethargic and totally out of whack and can't do anything. Uh, and also people can become very health aware and know much more about what they eat and how, what they put in their bodies, I guess, because they become more savvy consumers. They had time to study their food and drink. Exactly. And it's a super, you know, it's sometimes it takes a catastrophe or a tragedy for people to actually realize something that's broken, a system that's broken and to be able to make some positive change. And I think our food system, as we've discussed at length before, and our diets are one of those systems that really isn't working for us. And I think, you know, it's taken a global pandemic for people to really start addressing their own personal health. Um, and then obviously having the time, a lot of people have been at home and they've had the time to be able to sit down, research, start looking into immunity, start looking into things that they can eat to help improve their immunity, to help balance their hormones, to help manage their stress levels. And though you're right, at the start, the figures were looking quite negative that more people were drinking. What was a little bit conflicted was the fact that a lot of this data was saying, yes, retail alcohol sales are up by 40%. However, it didn't say that was because there was no on trade. No one was going to the pubs, everyone was buying their beer from the supermarket. So yeah, there was early on, we did see people consuming more alcohol, but then a lot of the set, a lot of the stats that are coming out of alcohol change have said that actually towards the end of this, people are now, more people are, are looking to reduce their alcohol consumption and they're looking to, to um, moderate their alcohol consumption. And along with that, it's given people the opportunity, as I said, retail and on trade haven't quite caught up with the amount of amazing products that are out there. So if you are really actively wanting to reduce your alcohol, you become limited to sometimes, you know, what what's available in your supermarket or what's available in your local pub or, or bars that you like to go to. And so people now have switched that mindset where they're now online shoppers. Most people have gotten very used to ordering stuff online, very used to searching, Googling, looking at different brands. And a lot of people, to be fair, have had a real affinity for kind of shopping local and shopping small. So they may be buying stuff on Amazon because it's easier for them, but they're buying direct from small brands and from small startups. So if somebody's going, I want to find my new favorite non-alcoholic beer, they're going on to non-alcoholic alcohol wholesalers and um specialist shops online and they're searching through maybe they're buying a mixed box maybe they're you know experimenting and they're doing that in the comfort of their home without judgment and without people kind of questioning and without the disappointment of having to order whatever is in your local pub and maybe it's not a very nice non-alcoholic beer maybe it's a a big brand and it, you know it's not very special but this time that people have had has given them the opportunity to do a bit more experimenting so i hope what we'll have is is consumers coming out of this with a bit more um a bit more knowledge into what's out and actually going to their local bars do you know what it'd be great if you could put a non-alcoholic beer on, on the menu or if they've only got one oh i tried this great beer when i was uh, in lockdown what about getting it on the menu or this great spirit or whatever it has to be so i think this has definitely changed the consumer mindset to non-alcoholic drinking um, and it's opened up an opportunity for brands to interact closer with those consumers that are looking for non-alcoholic products so i think it's created a an interesting time to launch a product and launching a non-alcoholic beer for me i mean the the, the growth within the, the non-alcoholic beer market is seems to be growing exponentially year on year you know i think it was something like 58 percent uh growth 2018 to 2019 in the uk alone you know we have over 170 non-alcoholic beers i think it is now europe worldwide um and it's it, it's something that consumers are definitely definitely looking into I then wanted to take it a step further and, and tapping into the functional element of drinking and brewing with mycoadaptogens, which um, if people don't know what they are, they are medicinal mushrooms. So they're a class of fungi that's kind of like a super, think of it as a superfood mushroom. So it's not, even though regular mushrooms are very good for you, they're high in vitamin D and um, they're high in B vitamins, but it's it's not the super, it's not the portobello mushroom or the button mushroom that you get in the supermarket, nor is it the magical mushroom that you, you hear about people taking at parties. This is a medicinal mushroom group of fungi, and there are over about 650 medicinal mushrooms in the world that have been used in Chinese traditional medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and Eastern medicine for thousands of years. Um, but there's a group probably of about 20 that are, are quite well known um, and are used regularly in you know, naturopathic and homeopathic medicine, but also in a lot of 
medical scientific studies, we're seeing people using them as complementary therapies um, to other you know, well-known chronic diseases and illnesses that we have. So they're pretty powerful little ingredients and they brew really well into beer. They don't taste like mushroom, which is great. They have an earthy, nutty, bitter profile, very similar to hops. Um, and they happen to work really well as a, as a craft beer. And another interesting side effect from our experimentation, which we're developing a first-in-class product. No one's done this before commercially. There's a few kind of quirky brewers in North America that have, that have put them into alcoholic beers, but very much one-offs and, and, and not something that was commercially driven. Um, as we mentioned briefly, when you remove the alcohol from a beer, if you're also trying to make a vegan beer or gluten-free beer, you're removing a lot of the um, starches, the gluten starches that give it body. You're then not using anything like lactose in your beer to give it more body and creaminess. So you're really stripping away things that kind of give people that traditional mouthfeel of a beer. Um, so some people combat that by either not putting much in and you get a, quite a typical watery non-alcoholic beer, or you're adding in lactose for the non-vegans, or you're putting in fillers like multidextrin. And although they don't do us any harm, it's still a it's still a synthesized filler that it's adding something extra into a product that really should be four or five ingredients tops, you know, water, hops, barley, malt, yeast. Um, and what we found is because mushrooms are 90% polysaccharides, they're starch-based, um, when you're brewing them into the beer, the starches break down and you get a really nice mouthfeel. You get a creaminess to the beer, you get a body to the beer. And actually, when you drink it, it leaves that that lasting flavor that you get in your mouth when you have a sip of normal beer. So that's, that was a happy mistake of the brewing process. But um, it's meant that we've been able to create a, a top class craft beer range, um, just happens to have no alcohol and it's vegan, gluten free and contains a little a host of other benefits, which we hope are going to help support your general immunity and well-being. So it actually can get a bit healthier drinking that as well. I will give some time. It's an interesting thing with the, the mushroom because you mentioned to me, um, I think it's about four, five, six weeks, eight weeks maybe ago now. And I started going on that journey myself and. I haven't gone into the world yet, but I've like been studying it because I'm, of course, I'm interested as a individual uh, to be healthy and strong, but also understanding what's coming up front now. You need all the small hacks to get your immunity system to protect yourself against COVID, no matter what, but also just being strong enough to deal with the, the challenges ahead. So I think it's super interesting because I haven't seen that. Uh, you have to see CDB trend going on as well where, where does it lie with that as well because that's one of the trends where people say oh this is like you know it's a it's the new the new healthy thing yeah. and transform your life and i've never really been into it because there's something that that, that 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 makes me resistant to do it i don't know what it is that's just something that triggers me where the mushroom it feels for me a bit more natural it's like you know, they always been here and they're part of our food diet already and we all know it's good to eat a lot of mushroom in our food because they are full of really good things yeah cbd is is very interesting i mean there is there's no doubt of the research that um cbd and the cannabinoids within it you know they they interlock with our cannabinoid receptors that we have in our bodies naturally um and they do a lot of they do a lot of positive good um that said you have to have quite high concentrations of, of cbd really to kind of treat anything serious but this science is there and the science is out that yes you know there is a lot of benefit in cbd however we have seen an influx of so many products from, you know, face creams to drinks to foods to alcoholic drinks to non-alcoholic drinks, putting CBD in. And what's been great is the education piece around people getting used to something unusual in their drinks, getting used to people putting plants, adaptogens, putting things into products for a health benefit. Um, you know, a lot of people got their head around the fact, okay, CBD is not weed. You know, it's not cannabis that you smoke and gets you high. It's a different genus of, of the stevia plant. So it is a different, it's a different thing. And they got their heads around that cool. And then they got their heads around, actually, there's some quite interesting benefits that have been reported to come out of the regular use of CBD, everything from sleep to um, helping muscular issues to, um, you know, helping fight depression. So people got their head around it. Unfortunately, it was quite a, a wild and unregulated space because people didn't really know what to do with it. Governments didn't really know how to categorize it. So from next year, we're going to see some quite strong legislation coming in where the CBD used in, in food and beverage project products has to be a, an approved food product. And that's going to limit the amount of companies 
whose CBD you can use, which are traditionally North American and Eastern European hemp growers. So we're going to see a lot of products either have to have their food registered as a novel food product, which is quite expensive, um, or it's simply going to come off the shelves. Come in the mushrooms, like you said, they have you know really well documented, documented and scientifically studied properties that are really um, one of these superfood enzymes and superfood things within nature that can really help us um, to combat all these stresses of our natural lives. And that, but they're just a, a food class; they're just classed as a food product. So, um, and people can get their head around eating them. Um, and you can see them growing on trees, and you know they grow in old growth forests in North America and Scandinavia. And people people feel more comfortable with it. Although at the same time, I think there's a bit of education. And I'm going to try and be everywhere I can talking about medicinal mushrooms mm, and, and yeah. kind of breaking down those boundaries. Because when you drop that M word, people are like, oh, like mushrooms, like I put on my pizza. Is my beer going to taste like mushrooms? Or, oh, I don't know about that. I hear about people going crazy and jumping off buildings when they meet them. I was like, no, 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 it's not, it's not that. Um, and then, you know, there's lots of even scientific research coming out with uh, uh, London College and... Um, Carhart Harris and the team that are actually now using psilocybin, which are psychedelic mushrooms, as a treatment for depression. And there's big medical studies that are happening in King's, King's College London at the moment and John Hopkins over in the States that actually we might be seeing psilocybin, which are the psychoactive mushrooms, being brought back in as, as a bona fide and legal treatment for depression. So our world of mushrooms is opening up now. And I think there's lots more really interesting information happening about it. And I'm not quite sure why nobody, we're seeing people, there's quite a few brands that are making tinctures and supplements and people are putting in coffee and there's some really other interesting non-alcoholic brands that are distilling spirits with them. But nobody's kind of made that link into beer, which I feel they just have a really natural fit. So I'm excited to get it out to the world. <laughs> you use them yourself. It's not like you just created a product because you thought that this would be a great marketing stunt. You really believe in this. You, you and as I can, as people can hear, you are you are very knowledgeable about, about what you're doing and about the, the the mushroom. You've been on the journey there. It's not something that just came in one day. I mean, it's it's also a little bit selfish, you know. I think it, it comes at the best products seem to be created by people that couldn't find what they wanted. And it's like I, you know, I've been drinking, I've been taking medicinal mushrooms and supplements. For probably about six seven years now i came across them in the states and i ordered you know the powders online and i put them in my coffee in the morning um and i do feel and and some people might say oh it's placebo or um but there are studies that back this up that you know i've had awful memories since a child very i find it quite difficult to concentrate um and i've been an entrepreneur that's difficult when you've got a million things happening in your brain at once um but i've been taking lion's mane mushroom now for like about four years every day in my coffee. I've also been taking chaga. I had quite bad allergies as a child. Um, and I've noticed my memory and my focus improve greatly. Um, I've, I've noticed my allergies and my hypersensitivity go down a lot. Um, I can't remember the last time I was ill. And now I've stopped drinking. And probably the last time I was ill was on a hangover. Um, yeah. And I, I can't remember the last time I was ill. And I, I feel great. I feel my body feels really good you know, my running, my um, ability to focus, my sleep. Um, and the one thing I've changed and made a consistent in my life, as well as just eating plants, has been to be taking religiously these mushrooms. Um, and so I wanted to have something, I wanted to create another kind of platform to getting into people's diet. I wanted to, I want people to know more about these amazing products, because I believe that nature puts these, has put everything that we need on this planet to give us the helping hands that we need you know she's a kind mother um we've just kind of lost touch with all the amazing plants and fungi um, and their benefits but they're out there and the studies are out there and the ancient texts and the ancient medicines have been using them for a long time and i think there's now a real opportunity to take ancient wisdom and bring it back into our modern day ceremony because we live a hectic life you know we, we're putting all these extra stresses in our bodies that are making us immunocompromised we're living on you know, adrenaline fatigue, we're working later than normal, we're eating strange foods, we're introducing toxins into our bodies that just weren't there 50, 100, 200 years ago. Um, and so finding little, like you said, biohacks, finding these things that we can integrate without any great weird diversion from our regular activities. So whether that's putting something in your coffee, putting something into your beers, putting something into your food that you eat every day, 
our food, as we as we both know, the power for change is in what you eat and consume. And you can make a difference three, four, five times a day every time you put something into your mouth. Um, and you can change, you can actively change your health. And I think now we understand we've, we're having a global pandemic because of, uh, because of food systems. And we are, you know, the, the data in, in the States and, and worldwide is people who are really suffering from this awful pandemic are people who have pre-existing health problems or people who are obese, people who have diabetes, people who have heart conditions. Um, so let's try and make sure that we grow generations of people that aren't getting these chronic diseases that are really avoidable but via our lifestyle choices. And if we can do that by harnessing these wonderful little things that we have in nature's herbs, plants, fungi, and integrating them into our diets and really looking at what we're eating and trying to eliminate as many toxins as possible, that's going to go a long way to helping us combat and protect ourselves against whatever else is going to spring up in in the world in the next in the next couple of hundred years. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, it, it, it should be so obvious, but this is maybe like the wake up call many people needed to do to to take this, you know, change into their daily habits. Uh, but one one of the things that also there's another element in you know. Uh, putting the right things in your body is also that, you know, if we don't start to, to, to use mother earth in the right way, there will be other challenges as climate change go on and so on. And, and uh, I know that drink is probably not going to change the world, but again, it's another little thing you can introduce into your diet that actually is going to take this in the right direction. It's all the small things you do for yourself will actually have a positive impact. It's good for you. It's good for the planet. I normally say funny enough. We forget that it's, we live in a very individualistic society and we forget that it's the collective that really makes change. And, you know, I don't believe that one person and one product or one miracle cure, which doesn't exist, is going to change the world. It's the little collective actions of lots of people coming together and trying to reframe this social, cultural reality that we have that isn't doing us any good. Um, so whether it be people trying to go, oh, I'm actually going to not drink alcohol and I want a different alternative. Oh, I actually, you know, heard read about the benefits of medicinal mushrooms. I want to integrate them into my diet. I love beer. Brilliant. And that's just one of the change. And once somebody starts to look into that, then they'll start to go, oh, okay, well, I want to make sure that everything that I'm eating and drinking has got a benefit. I want to make sure it's all sustainably sourced from good soil practices. I want to make sure that it's all you know, plant-based whole grain foods. I want to make sure if I do eat any meat products that it's, um, you know, organic and ethically sourced, if that is that possible. But um, it's all about that mindset of people really becoming a conscious consumer. And what I like to try, well, what I'm going to try and talk about more is this thing called positive wellness. And wellness is banded around a lot. You know, there's lots of leggings flying everywhere and yoga and, and all of that jazz. And it, it has become a bit of a fad. But actually what's underneath that is I want to see this positive wellness where it's like you're actually doing something good. You're not just putting on your leggings and, and walking around the supermarket. You're actually actively trying to do something that's going to help you and your body and your body's ability to function at its best. Because our bodies are amazing. They're amazing tools and they have the ability to fight off a lot of stuff. But the problem is we then put in a load of other things that decrease their ability to be able to function. So it's not about adding things to your body artificially synthetically boosting stuff you know we've got a team of bouncers inside us that are protecting the club protecting our immune you know driving our immune system forward we don't need 10 more bouncers we just need the bouncers that we have to be stronger and to be able to defend us better and that is where adaptogens and natural food healing comes in it's about empowering and supporting your natural immunity helping your body fight stuff at its best and doing it in a way that's not suddenly going to give you some kind of um, either toxicity if you have too much of it or some kind of chemical come down when you stop taking whatever it is that you are and then puts you at a deficit it's about keeping a natural balance of homeostasis and that's all that's what adaptogens do um, and they've been working in Ayurvedic and Chinese and, and Eastern and folk medicine since the beginning of time for these properties you know you probably have a lot of Ayurvedic stuff in your um, Ayurvedic adaptogens in your diet every day and you don't know ginger turmeric you know there are certain things that have chemical compounds within them that are just that little bit better than normal products you know they're kind of like the superfoods um and the adaptogens are definitely the uh, the elite superfoods that we have on this planet 
interesting because we we left it a bit before but coming back to you know the the, the post pandemic the new now whatever they call uh, and people probably that will be looking for uh less alcohol also in the workplace and so on i i could even imagine there's workplaces where they would ban alcohol totally because of many reasons not only because of a health reason but also because of the religious reason reasons and diversity there's been a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion during the pandemic because of massive events happening in the US uh, and so on black life matters and so on so i guess again you know all these movements are just pushing you know alcohol maybe from you know they they're still probably contending on the 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 top of the league but i guess that low alcohol or non alcoholic drinks are really catching up with alcohol in so many public places where we normally would be they are and you think of those places you know having alcohol in the workplace that seems crazy you know crazy anyway you know you a lot of you know a lot of workplaces have you know you when you sign up in hr you know you're not allowed to be drunk in work you're not allowed to take you know chemical substances what have you but yet work events still actively encourage you to drink alcohol they actively encourage work drinks you know you friday friday afternoon people come around the pints come around the office or you all go to the pub or work events socializing with clients alcohol is the main driver behind that um and it's crazy because we make bad decisions when we're out, when we're drinking alcohol after a certain point we say things and we act a bit silly and we we do things that definitely aren't beneficial to the work environment um and i think you're right there's it's one of those interesting industries where like smoking um that it's highly taxable there's a lot of revenue that's made from alcohol in the industries that it supports um and so even though the data is coming out even though the science is coming out you know it's really bad for you it's a toxin and if you carry on drinking it it will kill you you'll get cirrhosis of the liver and that sounds a bit dramatic because of course people can drink alcohol and not become alcoholics however look at all the other toxins and stresses that we do to our body is it really necessary to wake up when you wake up with that hangover that's pounding in your head that's toxicity that's poisoning that's your body trying to do everything it can to flush something out of your system and i think that people are becoming more aware of that and i think companies are becoming more aware of it and it, it's all down to the consumer so even though big industry big governments everything's geared towards alcohol and and the revenue that comes from that as was smoking and people fought and pushed back on the science for a long time with smoking as they do with eating lots of factory farmed red meat and dairy they're still pushing back on it they're still trying to make you feel like it's okay because it's something we've always done but the da- the data and the science is coming out saying it's not okay and alcohol is going to go the same way and what we can do as consumers and as entrepreneurs is create those brands and create that future um and share that future by predicting the long game of what's going to happen and going right well let's just make the best products that we can let's make the best options venues need to create the best menus that give people choice so you know you're creating that ability for consumers to vote with their forks and vote with their wallets and if there are amazing alcohol free options there was a study that came out of Bristol University um only a few months ago that actually the more good quality alcohol free options that are there the more people will choose them and then people go oh no one ever orders the one alcoholic beer i've got just sitting in the bottom of the bottle fridge yes because nobody really knows about it but if you had four or five beers and a little display on the bar and a separate section you know and a section in the menu then people would order it so it's it's people we're now getting up to creating the products that are that give consumers a choice that's great and now as consumers we need to be able to have access to that and then we need to start voting with our wallets and we need to start buying those products and creating that market and make it a viable option for venues to have 50 60 70 80 90 100% non-alcoholic wet led menus um because traditionally it's not been affordable to do the non-alcoholic uh, options because it was a coca-cola and we all know the margins on a whiskey and coke is much better than a, a coca-cola on its own but now we have the products to go you can have some really amazing sophisticated non-alcoholic drinks and actually people are willing to pay pretty much the same price now because they realize that the thing that does you the most harm and the thing that um, is actually the cheapest in your drink is the alcohol which is crazy and that's the thing that people are attributing the most value to luckily slowly that's changing and as consumers and venues kind of step up to that challenge i think we'll see we'll see it becoming normalized and we'll see that that weird culture around drinking and the kind of the positive 
the positive rhetoric around drinking that's been displayed in our culture for a long time. And we're actually starting to, to say, you know, it's okay not to drink. It's pretty cool not to drink, actually. It's pretty cool not to be hungover or be that person that we're a party that says something really inappropriate or, you know, was found being sick in the bushes outside. Nobody wants to be that person anymore. And it's not cool. And people aren't going, oh, yeah, she had a great time. She was really drunk. People are like, oh, God, that was so embarrassing. Um, she must feel like death today. And so um, times are changing. Um, and it's it's down to us all to kind of help push that movement forward. But it's positive because I've seen it happen in the vegan space before my own eyes you know we've gone from one dusty soya milk on the shelves in the supermarket to like over 20 different variants of non non-dairy milks so we've seen that as customer demand has grown and products have matched them we've seen that growth and development and um, so i'm really confident that the same is going to happen in the in the nolo space as well yeah and i think i talked with a couple of other people in general about the consumer there's the savvy new consumer that really will and i believe this deeply and i think they're already showing it they will vote with their food dollars as i call them and uh, and i think you can already see it in during the pandemic where people started shopping more locally i talked with my local wine shop the other day because i know we had this conversation and and uh, the reason why the conversation came is that because I know I can go and get my lower alcohol beer that I want on a, a very hot day, summer day. I still have that urge to have that beer sometimes. And uh, he was sold out. And normally he has the, the very good uh, beer brands like the Small Brew Company. He has Big Drop. He has Lucky Sane. And he said, I'm sold out. Like, it's changed over in the beginning of the pandemic. I bought, you know, I bought home of everything and I couldn't sell any non-alcoholic because something happened there apparently because people just needed to, to get rid of the stress that they thought alcohol would do it. He said, now I can't keep up with stuff because uh, people have tried it as well because he, he's actually been pushing it because I noticed he had it because he was pushing it, as you said. He was like trying to do an effort. So now he's become a bit known for that and actually funny enough to see some of the neighbors buying that as well because uh, one of them one of the neighbors tried my lucky saying it tastes like beer yeah, it's like yeah. Beer. It's perfectly great beer i said uh, and but you don't have to be a, the negative side effect even if you get one because i had um i think i had a pint of beer about christmas time and i haven't had a beer since i think january the year before the same year i felt absolutely wrecked one pint yes that's how much toxic there is in that. It's the next day. It's the feeling exhaustion and the feeling tired. And you might not feel pissed drinking it, but you, you feel the you feel that something isn't quite right. And I think you mentioned an interesting thing there that um, you've got really well known for educating people. And that's the thing. We've got a new category and it's it's a responsibility of the brands to support the venues and the on and off trade, but also for retailers and bar people and, and, and venues to actually kind of actively educate consumers. So having really cool, you don't even have to have, either people have separate non-alcoholic menus or you have it integrated into your normal menu. Maybe drinks are listed by ABV. So, you know, you just go down the list and some says 6.5, some says 0, some says 0 0.5. And so people are just choosing on what they fancy for the drink, but it's quite clear if it has alcohol in or not. Um, and then brands, you know, sampling, educating, um, we've all got really used to Zooming now and doing things digitally. So there's never an excuse that you can't do digital training and, and get together quite easily. Then head bartenders and, and off-license owners and, and brands can do little um, introductions and tell them about their brand, tell them about how to serve it, tell them what suggestions to have for, for customers. So education is a really important piece around all of this to kind of get people involved, inspired and excited. And like you said, when people taste it, they're like, oh, that actually tastes like non-alcoholic beer. Some people are still so stubborn that they're like, oh, I don't even want to taste it. I don't even want to taste it. And then they taste it and they go, oh yeah, that that moving mountains burger actually does taste like some beef burger. And oh, that beer, yeah, it tastes exactly not my beer. And actually, or sometimes people prefer the taste and they're like, oh, that's great. Okay, cool. So actually what I really like about beer isn't the alcohol. It's all these, you know, these flavors. And I think that's what we've been, where we've come a bit off piste is that we have been made to feel and ourselves have felt that what we really like in our wine and our beer and everything is the taste of the alcohol and yes sometimes it is of course but to some people they're like oh actually what I really love in rum is the the vanilla and the spice and I've actually now found a non-alcoholic rum that gives me all of that or I really love the bitter sweetness of hops and I really love an IPA and actually 
I love the flavor of IPA. I don't like the alcohol. And so the more people try stuff and the more that brands and venues and, and uh, uh, consumers come together to interact, the better. And that's how the market is going to grow for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the, that thing that hacks your brain in a way, the, the taste, uh, the, the hunger for some kind of thing, the comfort, I guess it is, a lot of it. I, and I totally agree with you. And, and uh, a lot, I've actually decided uh, I'll probably still drink uh, some alcohol once in a while, but I actually don't have the urge anymore. There's yeah. no urge because I've actually somehow unconscious, without going on a mission, say I didn't want to drink anymore. I just had a period in my life where it was not, it didn't work with having a beer because it was just the consequences of that was too big. And then I'm just slowly gone away from it. I ever actually don't know if I'm going to go back. I haven't made like a principal decision. I don't think uh, a lot of people has been starting drinking less alcohol. Some of them is more conscious than others. But a lot of them is just happening slowly as they push up their exercise, push up their diet and so on. And it just comes together as a natural to start looking at this as well. Yeah, and I think that's the best way. We've got to be gentle on ourselves here. Unless you are severely alcohol dependent to the point of damaging your health and you're going through an AA program, that's a completely different different thing. But if you are just someone who goes, I've got kids, I've got a busy job, you know, maybe I'm putting on a bit of weight, my skin's bad, and you just like, oh, I really just want to knock alcohol on the head. Let's be kind with ourselves. Let's not put any pressure and then tell everyone, right, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. And then when you slip up, or you want a little sip, you then are left with all these feelings of guilt and failure. And, and that's really not productive to, to anyone's kind of life journey. I think you're doing it the right way. And it's, it's the way that I did it, where I just went, I'm going to save my alcohol points. You know, I don't want to drink a warm glass of white wine in a plastic cup outside a pub. But if I'm going to someone's house for a really lovely dinner, and they bring out a beautiful wine, I might have a little glass for dinner. I don't need to have those couple of glasses of wine at night just sitting watching the telly. Or if I'm meeting somebody you know, on a Wednesday after work. But what we've managed to do, it's all about the ceremony and it's all about the social occasion. And I think where people feel like the thought of not drinking alcohol, because it's so complicated and packaged up with our social ceremony, people go, oh, but that means I can't go out and see my friends in the pub on a Wednesday, or I can't go to that club, or I can't go to that work dinner because, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Now, once you start to look at these social occasions individually and actually then remove the alcohol and go well if I've got something that gives me that same kind of social ceremonies I've got those non-alcoholic beers for the barbecue and you know I found a really nice sparkling Prosecco that I can take to parties or what have you and you know my work now actually do a few nice non-alcoholic drinks when we have functions then suddenly you're like ah okay I can still turn up at these events I can still be me and have fun you know maybe I don't stay out till four o'clock in the morning but let's be honest nothing productive happens after 11 30 at night anyway really and if it does you can't remember it so it's like you know maybe you do go home a little bit earlier or you know maybe you um maybe you're not the last person standing but that's perfectly okay um and I think once you find things to help replace the alcohol and social occasions that makes it feel a lot more manageable and you're like cool I can still go out and do all the things I used to do I can just wake up at eight o'clock the next morning and get on with my life yeah and I think that's it is the disruption it gives in your life as well as you're uh, especially as you if you were a business owner and you get more responsibility I think actually that 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 will be the, the, also for leaders that has massive responsibilities in these times and always have had but it, it's, it's now or never for many businesses. I think this is a very good option to, because it gives you that satisfaction from a psychology point of view. It makes you relax because you get the taste. I think that's the trigger and that's what I found out. I actually don't need the alcohol to, sometimes we all need a drink to relax because it's just absolutely mental. And uh, there's uh, people pulling in you for everywhere and everybody wants things to happen yesterday. Uh, and I think this is a, this is a great way to go. I, I can only see uh, all the things you're saying. It's gonna be growing ex ex exponential over the years to come. And I think that even you know, especially business people are getting more and more aware about how to take care of their body. Uh, and that's why I hear from everyone I meet and, and work with as well. It's funny what you said. How you know it's that, and we've all done it. Oh, that little whiskey or that glass of wine after work. Because actually, what that's doing is you know, once you have that glass of wine. <laughs> can't be asked checking that email and you're like oh you can just wait till tomorrow well normally the kind of the personality driver in you if you are you know a leader if you're an entrepreneur is that you know if you're not doing something you get those feelings of guilt and you get those feelings of, oh, I could be doing because 
every single second that I'm doing something, it's contributing more and, and you get those feelings. And once you've had a couple of beers or a glass of wine, you're like, nah, can't be bothered with that. And, you know, that's a way that you shut off. But then what we have to learn is we can't hack life like that by grunting to kind of like block what's going on or even, you know, had a long day with the kids. It's not it's not healthy to try and block out what's going on in your brain. What you need to do is you do need to crack something and sit down and breathe and talk to your partner and watch a movie and relax. And we have to learn how to make our brains quieten down without numbing it with a toxin. Some people turn to drugs, some people turn to alcohol. We have to learn how to do it without these substances. And that's asking us to do a bit of work. And that's calling on us to kind of pull something out the bag. And humans are naturally lazy. We like to take the quick path to the to the reward. We don't naturally like to go all around the houses. But unfortunately, for the future of our health and for the planet, we're now realizing we've got to take that long road and we've got to take that journey. We've got to actually do the work ourselves to make these differences because we can't keep doing these these quick fixes. And alcohol is the same thing. So I find once I've got, you know, I sit down and I turn off the laptop and I put my phone away and I go, right, you know, it's eight o'clock now. This is perfectly reasonable not to do any work until the morning. And I have an alcohol, a non-alcoholic beer or, you know, I have something really nice to eat or, you know, I put a movie on. Or then, you know, there's other things, there's meditation, there's exercises. We have to now dig deep and learn what other things can we do to relax at the end of the day. And also as as entrepreneurs and and leaders, I think we all have to come together and learn to to get away from this Wolf of Wall Street, mad 80 work mentality where it's like if you didn't pull in 16 hour days and if you didn't, you know, if you're not working till 10 o'clock at night and up at 5 a.m., you're somehow failing. That's an awful a uh, very capitalist, um, money-driven way of working, and it is not good for our bodies. It's causing us diseases and illnesses that are really hampering us. So we all have to learn to create the, another new system. We love creating systems, don't we? We have to create another new system that really puts wellness and people's mental health and how their food and drink affects that in the real kind of top importance of leadership and and how we lead people and how companies create culture and that culture is around taking time to rest you shouldn't get to the point where you get home from work and you're just like oh I just need to have a bottle of wine to just block this out we shouldn't be creating cultures that drive that we should be creating an environment creating businesses and creating systems that mean that people are ready just to relax at the end of the day they feel okay turning their phone off they feel okay going I'm having a digital free weekend guys contact me on Monday and not have the guilt that is associated with that. And this is a really important thing, I think, for business. And along with the consumer wellness market that's growing from a business side, this is what we have to do as as leaders and influencers. We have to create environments where people don't feel like they need to reach for an alcohol or whatever else, whatever other drugs they feel they need to reach for to make themselves feel better. We don't want to create that culture. We want something different. Yeah, it's a, super interesting, as you would just say. That's a couple of things I just want to take out of what you said there. there, there there's a, a learning I've done myself the last 12 months. And I'm uh, and right now, I'm, during the pandemic, I started reading a book that's called Why We Sleep. Because sleep, again, becomes very important as well. Because when you drink too much alcohol, you can't sleep. That's a, one fact. But this is that's, it's a, a great book. And if people haven't read it, I would say start reading it. Because suddenly you find out something you can hack very easily. is your sleep pattern as well. And, uh, you're, you know, you say that there's uh, this drive of the Wolf of Wall Street to get up five o'clock, get, get, go to bed at 12, uh, finishing your day and then get up at five. So you're ahead of everyone. Yeah. And, and some there are times you need to get up at five because the, the, the business, this is where the business is. That's what the demand. But then you just have to make sure you got early to bed. And that's the only thing I'm saying, like, how can you actually make sure you also get your sleep? And, and, and because sleep, I found out when you talk about wellness. Uh, definitely for myself it's like it's triggered some energy levels i didn't think i had just because i yeah because because you got to rebuild your brain again and you and all those things that happens during the night um and it's difficult because there's so much you want to put into the day if it's not your your hobby your activities your kids and stuff like that and really force you to prioritize the right things we have to be kind to ourselves yeah we have to be kind and we have to go you can't do everything in a day and that's okay. And if we stand up together as industries and as collectives and go, it's okay to work an eight hour day. 
and then stop and then have your own personal life. And it's okay to work a four hour day if that works for you, if you get what you need done and then you want to have, you know, family time in the afternoon. And I think we need to readdress that, that whole working system because sleep is so important and sleep is the one thing you know your body's very busy doing lots of things during the day and when you sleep and you rest and you get some deep REM sleep that's when all the kind of it's like road work you can't do road work well they do don't they but you can't do road works and repair a road when there's cars on it in the day so you've got to wait till no one's on the road and then you fix stuff well your body fixes stuff when you sleep you're um you know you're not digesting food so your stomach where you create a lot of your hormones you create brain hormones, things like serotonin are created in your gut. Um, you need to have this time when there's nothing going on in your body that you can create hormones, you can repair cells. And if, especially if your liver is processing a load of toxins, then it can't be regenerating and it can't be processing the natural hormones it does to help other um, functions of your body. Um, so really getting good, solid sleep that's not inhibited by toxins or a big belly full of some really indigestible processed food that you've eaten on the sofa at 10 a.m it you know that really makes a huge difference to how you wake up in the morning and you literally can wake up on the wrong side of the bed you know you literally can wake up feeling like you've been hit by a bulldozer um and it shouldn't be like that that's not how we should exist That's yeah, so interesting. So interesting. we got we got a bit distracted as we often do our conversation. So, <laughs> but I'll just take it back to say, uh, where are you and uh, function in eight months time from now? What is the plan? What is the roadmap? Because uh, you're launching very soon. It's on the shelves, and people can start buying it from your from your website and so on. We'll come back to that in a second. But what is the journey? What is the roadmap now? So I'm launching um, end of the month and. For me, I'm wanting to do a bit of kind of, call it deep game framing. You're basically looking at your, the real ethos of what I want to do for the business and where I want to take it and what it kind of, what is the overall message? What am I going to try, what am I trying to do with function? And to me, it's getting people to integrate more positive wellness into their diet. It's getting people to really be conscious consumers of what they're putting into their bodies. And I want to create a brand that is, um, it's a global brand that's drunk globally, but it's brewed locally. So there are certain things that are really important to me. Creating a sustainable business. Um, my aspirations is to be B Corp registered by in an eight months time. Um, by the time we get settled down with our brewery and we can start kind of putting systems into place, but owning and operating a sustainable business and creating that framework from the start is really important. I also want to, I'm, I'm brewing with independent brewers in the UK, but then I want to brew um, externally. So I'm looking to be brewing in, in Copenhagen, uh, actually by the end of the year, which will service Scandinavia. Um, and then towards the end of next year, Australia, New Zealand, and 2022 Canada. Um, looking at creating these little pockets of brand ambassadors, because non-alcoholic and, you know, functional drinks, adaptogenic drinks, they still are a little bit niche. So but I, I know that once people get on board with it, they'll love it and it will create some really strong brand ambassadors. So I think by working with partner breweries in the countries that you sell, one, puts money back into the local economies. Two, there's less shipping around the world. Um, and you can create, you know, really engaged people that love your brand and love what you're doing rather than just working with big distributors who are importing and exporting your, your product. And I'm sure I will work with them as well. But I really want to have kind of little hubs dotted around um dotted around the world that are that are brewing it um and my vision behind what i want to do and and already how i've been talking about it i've had people in australia and new zealand already show a lot of interest in in wanting to get it over there and and in, in north america as well so i'm really excited that actually we've hit on something that's going to strike a chord with a lot of people so i'm quite an impatient person and a lot and the traditional ways are of doing business are you know you start your brand and you know, you, you establish it for a couple of years and you get that traction. And I, you know, I want to quite quickly be brewing lots of different countries and start these little micro pockets. Um, and I want to do things a little bit differently. Um, I want to be more sustainable and I want to ensure that um, people are really buying into to what we're trying to do. So um, it's going to be quite disruptive um, and no doubt there'll be things that don't work, but no doubt there'll be things that I hope are going to work and I'm I'm quite a stubborn person, and and the beauty of being a solo founder, although there are many benefits to having a partner, is the fact that it's just me. So I sit in my board meeting with myself, and I say, "Are we going to do this?" And I say, "Yes," and then we're going to do it, and then we can just start doing it the next day. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely an advantage. I can tell you that uh, from, from my own experience. But yeah, it's it's good always to have a partner in crime when you there's there's always something you're not good at yourself. Uh, I'm very aware about that. But uh, where where can people find more about the function and uh, the beer, and where can they order it when we get to that? So you can head to our website, function.com. Now, function, this is going to be, yeah, interesting. Function, think of functional, but we're spelling it F-U-N-G-T-N. So an abbreviation of functional. Um, function.com, we're going to be selling through our web shop. Obviously, the world's in a weird place. You know, normally when you launch a product, especially something you want to sell on trade, you go through bar to bar, you've got your men on the ground, your sales team, you're going into bars and restaurants, you're getting on with big on-trade wholesalers and you kind of, that's the, the the normal route to market. Obviously, that's all flipped on its head and I'm totally aware of all my friends in the on-trade of how sensitive it is right now and I think everyone just needs to get back if even they can get back to to normal trade and and I don't want to be sending off people and, and going into bars and, and kind of hustling people right now. So I'm focusing on direct to consumer, which is also really interesting because I can build up a close relationship with my consumers um, I can have more control um, and actually I think it would be better to get some kind of case studies and feedback from in the, in the first the first couple of, of brews. Um, so you can buy it through my web shop. And I'm also in talks with a couple of independent um, online non-alcoholic specific retailers and um, craft beer wholesalers. And then, of course, you know, I would be interested in getting into some some larger retail as well. So I'll be sure to be knocking on their doors as well. But end of the month, you can be going to function.com and buying from our webshop. Great, great, great. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Um, and the last question, because we, we are the Hospitality Maverick podcast yeah. and we're very aware it's always good to get something tangible away from a, a podcast episode, especially for leaders out there that are, you know, right now, if we take the hospitality on trade or the trade industry, uh, they're trying to bounce back, trying to find way to grow businesses. And there's no doubt about this opportunity within drinks as people start to go out and drink more uh, and potentially low alcohol drinks is a very big growth opportunity if you run a bar or a restaurant where people can buy this together with their meal. What would be your very specific uh, question here? What would be your top three uh, uh, sales uh, advice to them if they wanted to implement no and low alcohol drinks because you have not just uh, experience from this but from many other things you've done what is the what is the trick to get this selling i think it's about education um i know that most of the brands all of the brands in the no and low space are really keen to help support venues in educating their consumers that could be point of sale material that could be coming in and doing staff training days that could be coming in doing sampling that could be helping you develop cocktails and and drinks lists so always talk to the brands you know if you the brands that uh the non-alcoholic brands that come to market now are all really keen to to help support and educate customers so educate your customers that also means you know get your um get your menus in order so no longer having the dusty non-alcoholic section at the back of the menu past the softs past the coffee it needs to be front of front of stage and it needs to your non-alcoholic drinks need to sit right under the alcoholic drinks so when you list your beers at the end, list your non-alcoholic beers, you know, and put that it's non-alcoholic. Under your wines, if you've got a sparkling non-alcoholic wine, list that you've got it there. Don't have it in a separate section. So you've got to make it easy for customers to make that choice. And if someone does order um, a Coca-Cola or a fruit juice, just say, oh, you're not drinking tonight. Do you know we've got a range of non-alcoholic beers and cocktails? And they might go, oh, didn't even see that bit in the menu. Maybe they didn't even look at the menu. They just went straight to the bar and went, have a Coca-Cola. Um, so I think it's it's important for bar teams and bar staff to be educated in the fact that you do now have great non-alcoholic options um, and they are available and, and putting them into the forefront of the consumer's mind. Because let's be honest, if a consumer buys a non-alcoholic beer that you've got there for £4, you're making a better margin than if they're just having a glass of Coke or heaven forbid that soda and lime that causes constant, like, should you even charge them for it? So you might be buying soda and lime and your bar staff might not even be charging them. So you're missing out on, on potential sales there. Um, so for me, education of, of the consumer is, is really important. Um, secondly, I think creating, creating menus that um, integrating more drinks. So do your research. There are some really great non-alcoholic uh, wholesalers now, but there are also really all the big 
you know, wine merchants, spirit merchants do have great non-alcoholic listener. So ask your local rep to come and, and bring your non-alcoholic range. Um, most of them are working with um, consultants or they're working with people to kind of really develop their non-alcoholic range. So call your local rep and say, right, can we arrange a, a time for you to come in? And I want to see all your non-alcoholic options. What can you recommend to me? And then really, you know, get your team involved as well, of trying stuff and, and putting new exciting stuff on the menus. Um, and, you know, your, your, the wholesalers do have it. But again, unless people start demanding it, then this market isn't going to grow. So um, wholesalers, again, are going to be more than happy if you're going to increase your range with them and buy more stuff. So, yeah, get your rep to come in and, and take you through what non-alcoholic non options there are. Then, of course, there's some really great um, uh, community groups, if you like, and organizations that are really trying to push um, the non-alcoholic and NOLO space. I mean, Club Soda is amazing, run by um, the powerhouse Laura Willoughby, who's been pushing the non-alcoholic agenda for a long time now. And, you know, they've just created a training program for venues to train them on non-alcoholic drinks, um, how to serve them, how to approach customers, um, how to pair them with foods. Pairing with foods is really interesting. If you're in a, a, a kind of higher class venue that, that pairs foods, or even, you know, a cool craft beer tavern where you sometimes you, you're pairing your foods with certain, beer, with certain beers, pair non-alcoholic options as well. You know, if you're doing set menus that have set menus with alcohol, you lose a huge bit of revenue if someone says, I want the set menu, but we don't drink. So we'll just buy a drink separately. Do a non-alcoholic pairing menu as well, you know, and showcase that. Put a really lovely non-alcoholic cocktail on. Put a great sparkling non-alcoholic wine on there. And they'll go, yeah, right. And they'll end up spending probably about the same amount of money that they, they were going to with the alcohol. And you've, you've, still, you've still got them in. You've still made them feel special. And, you know, as really importantly right now you still got that revenue turning over that was any more i think that's it i think that's it it's education 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 yeah because the products are there now before we had the excuse going well there wasn't really any you know what am i going to serve people there's nothing isn't i can't what am i going to make a non-alcoholic menu out of there's nothing on there but they're there now um and one more thing to add if you if you are passionate about serving non-alcoholic drinks in your in your venue and your wholesaler doesn't have the products that you need go to the brands direct um you know talk to them do research that's the amazing thing we're now online you can go on independent online wholesalers and and, and retail sellers and you can see all the amazing drinks you have create your own list then go to your wine merchant go to your your big um drinks provider and say hey i found this this is what i'd like to put on my menu and I've spoken to the brands and they're really keen. Can you list them? You know, so again, it's in the power of the consumer and the power of the client being the, being the bar or the venue. So tell your big, your rep, you know, what I want to see on my non-alcoholic menu. And I've got these brands and the brands are all really excited to join you. And we want to put them on our menu because nobody wants to get in 10 new suppliers ordering direct. But it's, it's a general manager's nightmare. Like ideally you want to be getting from your, your familiar wholesalers just to, keep everything less complicated so don't be afraid to to create your menu with the products you want and then take it to your reps and say this is what i want to see on the menu and if you can't do it then i might go to your competitor and that'll keep everyone on their toes <laughs> yeah and i think also it's now that you, it, this is the time to experiment as well with uh, the consumer is more open to it as well you can change your menu you can adapt your menu Make sure that the food, as well as, as, as the opportunities, just if we don't talk low and no alcohol. I've seen and work with restaurants for years. Is sometimes how they actually forget integrate their drinks. It's just a copy page of what their competitors do. So that could be on the coffee, it could be on the soft drinks, it could be also on the beers. They haven't thought through why they choose the beers they did. They just took the most they thought was the most famous one. Or it was easy to say yes to that, or they got most contribution from there. Um, but yeah, it has to be integrated. And again, it has to fit with your ethos and values around how you want to do things. It's so important that when you do things, you really think that true. Because there's, there's so much money to be made on the drinks bit. And I think that's going to be the easy upsell in this environment we go into than, than anything else. Because we still want to go out and have a little treat. And if we can... It's not always we want to just order a meal, but maybe we just want a drink. And that's that's definitely a market to, to tap into us. People want to feel special and there's a huge there's a huge market for differentiation and whether it's like adding on another sales point in your already existing offering 
or you know creating a whole new space people like going out for a something it might not be a full meal that could be just financial reasons time reasons it could be just a drink and if you if you're past the morning you know having that coffee and tea it's like what do you then do in the afternoon when you don't want a beer but you don't want to go for some food it's like well if you can go to a bar and have a few non-alcoholic beers or you can go to a restaurant and have a nice non-alcoholic cocktail sit at the bar feel special feel like you're getting out the house or getting out the office um there's a real market to tap into there um and just expecting alcohol to kind of just be that easy revenue stream that you add on and you just put anything on the menu um is is going to be a thing of the past now because consumers are still going to be quite nervous about going out and when you do go out it's got to be good and it's got to be special um and you've got to feel like there's been care and attention and thought put into the offering in the way it's been delivered um and putting on more great beverages whether they have alcohol or not you know and creating your menus around great quality products then that to me is point of differentiation of how brands are going to make it through this difficult time for sure absolutely amazing so as always super insights from you and a lot of new learnings when it comes to the no and low alcohol market and what mushrooms can do to boost your health also especially the knowledge you shared around how no and low drinks can boost your sales if you'd like to get inspired by another business which is also making massive progress when it comes to the no and low alcohol market please tune in to our episode 47 building a brewing company with rob fink who is the ceo and founder at the big drop brewing company if you enjoyed today's podcast please give us a like share rate or subscribe to one of our channels tune in next time for another interview and in the meantime find out more about us and subscribe to our community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com thanks for listening and be maverick